0: Here we go, guys. Sorry about this, but it is advert time. I'm going to now have an ad in front of the podcast. Uh, You can skip sort of 30 seconds ahead if you really want to, Um, but I'm very grateful to have a sponsor supporting the podcast now, uh, and I hope you guys will continue to support that um, because it really helps me me do it. But this podcast is brought to you by Slow Tide. Slow Tide, our company, they took a mundane but essential uh, everyday product uh, a towel um so something that we use every day and they've turned it into uh something cool something you like looking at a piece of art so slow tide work with artists brands and photographers to bring amazing designs onto their products uh not only towels they also have now applied this same logic to blankets um perfect for the winter those of you that have listened to the podcast and know me will know I love sitting and watching a film or TV. I ask every guest to recommend me some something good to watch. Um, And especially in the UK at the moment, it's pretty cold. Most of that watching is done under a blanket. Uh, Most importantly, though, uh, Slow Tide are committed to sustainability. Um, All of their cotton products are responsibly sourced through the Cotton Leads programme. And their polyester products are made from 100% recycled post-consumer waste, usually plastic bottles. So you know that by buying one of these products, you're also not affecting the environment. Uh, Check them out at, at Slow Tide Europe. On Instagram for more information. I'll be posting a fair bit about them on my Instagram as well at the After Hours Lounge. Um, Huge thank you to Slow Tide for supporting the podcast um, and thank you to you guys for getting through this advert and now on with the show. Hello friends, welcome back to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. I hope you're all doing well dealing with lockdown and you know christmas and uh, and those two clashing together uh, it's a difficult time for everyone so i hope everyone is good um honored to be joined on this uh this episode by uh, my my old windsurf buddy when I, from my couple of years down in the witterings uh mr mr richard dale aka dicky with a y thank you for coming on Dickie. good good to see you how are you i'm very good mate very good how are you
1: i'm good i wish i could sport that mustache you've got my word well, this it's is being interviewed by Groucho Marx. It's fantastic.
0: I know it's it, a lot of people strive for the twizzle at the end. Mine just has happened naturally. I think all the <laughs> all the follicles from my head have gone into my moustache. So it's quite lucky, really. Well, the, good, uh, the good news is if, if you need to twizzle it, you just use a bit of a surfboard wax and that'll go nicely. That's true. That is true. I've got some on the table here, actually. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, I mean, when this goes out, it won't be Movember anymore. But today is the last day of Movember. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's been good. I've, I've I've managed to raise my uh my my target donation. I've raised that, and then I've I was running sixty kilometers over the course of the month for in recognition of the sixty men that uh take their own lives every hour across the world. Wow. So, um, but I, I actually today I crossed the hundred kilometer mark. So I've run hundred kilometers boy. this month. Yeah. Good boy.
1: Good boy. Well, at the end of this, make sure you email me the link to your 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 fundraising site. I must admit I've missed it and I need to obviously give you some money. Anyone well, know, who can wear a moustache like that
0: and run 100 kilometers, need to be sponsored. Absolutely, thank you Dickie, thank you. Um, so one of the reasons i brought you on Dickie, we've known each other for a while um, and it wasn't until our mutual friend Dave, we were, um, I was doing some work with Dave and, and you kind of jumped on the call and you kind of said that you've you know done a lot of stuff with mental health over the years and one of one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast was to chat about that. But it was kind of funny that I I was kind of you know mental health in my head as well, and you've obviously done it. But as men, we didn't. It never came up. We didn't talk to each other about it until um yeah. and until this happened. So that was why I wanted to get you on. So I mean, I you know I know you relatively well, but tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, you know who you are and and, and what you've done. Um, sure. you know. Sandy, firstly,
1: um, yeah, massive up to you for doing this because. You're right. Um, uh, people don't talk about this stuff. Uh, I think they do more now than back when I was mired in it back in the eighties. But 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 it's still you know, one of those things that people are a little uncomfortable about. And you know I'm now um, 57 years old, so I'm old enough and ugly enough to feel that hey, I don't mind. I'll, I'll I'll talk to anyone about it uh, if there's any chance that'll help. And if someone's got a problem talking about it, well, it's their problem, not my problem. So bugger them. So well, yeah, listen. I yeah, um, uh, background. I, I I sort of came from a pretty simple family. Uh, my father died quite young uh, and in relatively impoverished. Uh, but he was an absolutely brilliant man. He'd been a Bachelor of war-winning TV producer. I went off to university, Brassic. Uh, got to the end of university, I was Brassic. I went into the careers office and and they said, "What do you want to do?" Uh, I said, "Well, well, I thought you were going to tell me what job I should do." <laughs> yeah. He said, well, what sort of job do you want to do? I said, I want to earn some money. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? So uh, what makes me the most money? And at that time, you know, the city seemed to be a, a place that was paid with a bit of gold. So anyway, I, I ended up falling into uh, working in finance. Um, I started up in 1984 and I did 20 years working for various banks in the city, um, 17 of those years. I was an analyst, I used to cover the media sector, so I covered a whole lot of media companies in Europe, working out which shares to buy and sell. And then the last three years, I ran a chunk of Citigroup in Europe. And I gave it all up in 2003, I was a bit tired. Uh, I had twin boys who I've literally never seen, they were 10, and I kind of figured if I didn't get to know them soon, I'd never get to see them. Uh, I had to reconvince my wife that the man she married was still somewhere deep down there, as opposed to the arrogant bastard i would become working in the city for 20 years. Mm. And so you know, we just had a couple of years off and traveled and then I never went back to the city. And since that time I I kind of I've tried to I tried to just you know do good things with good people. Um uh, a lot of that has been in my old world of media and you know we've started companies, I've invested in companies, chaired companies, uh floated businesses, uh, sold businesses, closed businesses that work. Uh, but but always trying to do good things with good people, particularly young people. Uh, mainly in my old world of media, so so that's that's my sort of potted career history. Hmm. Uh, I'm 57, and frankly, you know, playing golf and 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 pottering around in the garden doesn't float my boat. So um, you know, you're only here once, and so I keep on trying to do stuff to keep me busy and keep me fit. Hence the windsurfing and now kite surfing. But yeah, that's me. Yeah, nice.
0: Yeah, because I, I mean I had. I had a vague idea, you know. We, we knew each other from from the windsurfing club down at uh, down in West Wittering Beach, um, and you know, I had a I had a vague idea that you'd spent a lot of time in the city. My my dad spent a lot of time in the city as well. Um, yeah, so he 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 um he's uh, an insurance broker and stuff as well. So I used yeah. to come I used to come back from seasons and stuff, and I'd go and see him, and we'd go out for lunch in the city and stuff. So I've I've like seen that kind of life from the outside, and to me, it was always so alien because. I was literally at the opposite end of the spectrum. I was a beach bum, you know, working, you know, in in kind of Greece or or you know, Egypt and things and then I'd come back and I'd go out for lunch and I'm like, "Christ, my dad's bought lunch and it costs more than my monthly my monthly pay, you know." So it it I mean it was I had a really positive relationship with it because I always associated it with having a nice time and catching up with my dad. But I do yeah. seeing I remember thinking at the time like, wow no no way would I would I kind of do this but and I guess it was probably still the the same back in your day when you started doing it as well.
1: Well, I think I I think it was different. I mean, when I joined the city, I you know, I started there in 1984. My degree was economics, so it's kind of like I quite liked finance numbers. Uh yeah. and 1984 it was a completely different world. I mean, up until the sort of mid 90s, but certainly the early 80s, it was it was a bit of a hoot. It was quite relaxed, as in a way there was enormous amounts of alcohol. Yeah. Everybody spoke. No one took themselves too seriously, and it was just kind of good fun. And then, and then along the way, it went from that to London being a major financial centre. And then the Americans arrived, and in the in the sort of mid 90s, and started buying up London. And the Americans, there was good and bad. I mean, the good news was they brought you know loads of loot with them. They flew in plane loads of of dollars and mm-hmm. the bad news though was they took all the fun out of it and so it kind of went from being fun and reasonably well paid to very well paid and and and, and quite quite hard but uh but but but, but alien to, to me in a way because i'd grown up with my old man and film crews about and interestingly my twin boys you know they um uh they, they went off at university they're linguists and they did french and spanish and all that sort of stuff and I do remember talking to their headmaster at school. We sent them to a slightly weird and wacky school, which worked beautifully then, called B-Dales, an alternative school in Hampshire. And I remember talking to the headmaster in their final year. I said, Keith, I, was now, I said, Keith, if if at the end of all this, my boys become bankers, accountants, doctors, uh, or lawyers, I will genuinely feel you have failed me. <laughs> and I would like them to experience something else. They're doing other much more interesting things in the world of TV and sports. So yeah. uh, but it, it, it was a fun world in the 80s, but it just became a bit a bit hard. And now I think it's a brutal world. Brutal.
0: Yeah. I've got i got yeah, I've got some friends, you know, around sort of my age. I'm 29 now. So around kind of late 20s that are going into it now. And it just it, it doesn't, it sounds pretty hectic. Like in at the ground floor, it sounds, yeah, savage. Sounds absolutely
1: There was a guy who um, ran a big chunk of Citigroup when I was on the board there. And I remember one year he was was talking to the board and he said, You know, we've just recruited our 2002 intake, 200 of the best MBAs and PhDs and what have you. And he said, By the end of the year, you know, we'll probably have 20 left. And I said, Say that again. And so, so 200 goes to 20 in a year. And he said, Yeah, I said, Well, you know, that's not great, is it? Because that means 180 people, their first experience of the world of work mm. is, is just awful. It means they have not survived. I said, should not we just maybe just try and work out what it is in the 20 that makes them survive uh, and then just try and reduce the numbers. If 30 become 20, we haven't destroyed 180 people. But, and that's how it was. And it's still like that. I, 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 I see young kids now, you know, my twin's age and, 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 and friends, children who go to the city and it, it, it it's brutal it's just out the hours and the and and the way people work and the treated it's you know if you can make it through if you want to make it through and you get a senior in your 30s and 40s yeah you'll make a lot of money but wow it's it demands its power but i, but I would never if it, if i was applying to the city now i'd never get accepted and there's no way i would have survived and i managed to do okay so uh it's a tougher game now.
0: It's, it really interests me. Like, where does this whole, the whole kind of culture of working, you know, sixty hours a week, and you you start at seven a.m. and you finish at ten p.m. and you know you're always attached. Where does that culture from? Do you think that culture comes from the people at the top of a company, or is it kind of just the 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 rat race, if you will, of like you've got to you're chasing chasing the dollar signs, basically?
1: I I, just, I think it's like anything, any business. Uh, it comes from the people who manage it and run it. And, you know, it, it's kind of like if if I'm now running a, a corporate advisory part of a big bank and I went through it, it's kind of like a rite of passage. You know, it's like, an, it's like that you know, SAS, who dares, wins thing. And it's like, I, I think it's nuts. I mean, when the piece of the business I was running, I mean, Christ, you know, we were, I was all about trying to make it completely different to that. And, uh, and make people actually enjoy working where we were working. Uh, you know, in the relative scheme of heart, it's always hard. So you, you know, if you worked in my research fund, yeah, it was long hours and hard work. But try and make it fun and enjoyable, and feel like you're being treated well, as opposed, and, and then you'll you'll you know you'll, you'll have a chance of, of 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 hiring, and more importantly, retaining the best people. So. To me, it, yeah, it all comes from the top. And by the way, I'm sure there are places where it's not like that now. I'm a bit out of touch with it. But certainly I've seen so many people falling by the wayside. It's horrible, horrible business.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, like like you said, the the staff retention in in like the city and stuff, it must be impossible, especially for kind of younger people, you know, that are fresh out of uni or, you know, yeah, sort of middle, middle, middle mid-twenties. And they go into it thinking, this is what I'm going to do for my life. And within a year, they're kind of, chewed up and spat out of the system. Yeah. I
1: guess and it, it's it's silly and, it, and it's scary because you know in the context of what we're talking about, you know, you go through and again, think about it, the city is like it's quite a lucky employer. It tends to hire the cremes of the cremes. Creme. So these are people who've gone through school and university and they've been on this lovely escalator just going straight up like this and you know they've been bright, and intelligent and they get to the world of work. And of course everyone knows when you enter the world of work, you know, you, you, you leave education at the top you start the world of work at the bottom and the world of education i always feel uniquely uh just doesn't prepare people in any way for the world of work so you start at the bottom uh and that's not great anyway for your confidence and self-worth and um, but then if in in your first job you know you 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 kind of fail um that's not good that's not good i mean it's not good for your confidence your well-being your um so so I think I' I'm sure Listen, not there that you know I'm not saying the whole world is a better way I mean crikey, if you want to be a doctor it's a nightmare you know <laughs> so these professions law is the same you um uh, uh and and the world of work is tough anyway but but I think we need to be slightly more caring about people and worrying about our human capital than trying to see if we can break them but maybe I'm just a bit old-fashioned like that
0: no i think I think I definitely agree and I've you know i definitely seen like, you know, even in even in the the windsurfing world I've worked at, you know, I've worked at centers where, you know, you get the new and the new fresh instructor and you're like, right, they've got to do their time somehow, you know, whether it's, you know, when I worked out in in Greece, some of the people that would come out looking for a job, they'd have to work in the kitchen for a couple of weeks before they were allowed to come and work on the beach or, uh, you know, I mean, there is that culture of doing your time. And I do, I agree with it to a certain extent, because I do think you know, um, a lot of people, it, it is important to kind of cut your teeth and realise what work is, because, I mean, you know, my mum made me get a job when I was, she was the manager of a hotel and she got me a job as a waiter in a hotel when I was 15, so yeah, I, learned, I learned fairly quickly, you know, and I was getting paid something like £2.70 an hour or something, you know, so it's, I, I kind of learned that, but I think a lot of people kind of don't do that, do they? Um, they, I, I
1: think I it's this, is what, I mean, yeah, I love that. When I was 11, I got my first job. I was I worked on Saturdays on a milk round. Yeah. Milkman on his milk float, delivering milk. And I got paid a pound a day. <laughs> uh, and then I worked in a garage uh, in Shefton High Street. I worked in a sports shop. And I did a, you know, a selection of ropey jobs because I had to earn money. It was interesting when my twins were sort of, you know, getting to, 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 to that sort of age, uh, I was insistent. I said, look, you know, you've got to work out what the real world's all about because not everybody goes to, you know, boarding school, university and lives in a nice house in the West Sussex. So, you know, they actually spent a couple of seasons working down at the Windsurf Club, you know, waist-deep in cold English Channel Water. Yeah. And, then, um, and then it was in their second year at university, they was thinking, you know, we need to sort of think about what we're going to do down and get a job. I said, no, you need to do a really shit job to put on your CV that you're not afraid of it. And they said, well, how shit is shit? So anyway, it actually was really shit because one of them was en- ended up cleaning the uh, VIP toilets at Wimbledon uh, for the fortnight. And so he really <laughs> was doing a shit job. And the, one, and the other one ended up dressing up as a G4S security guard, um, roasting in the sunshine. But I thought and it was important. And I'll never forget Ben who was doing the lose. It was a thankless task. Then one day someone came in for pee while they're washing their hands, they just sit up, by the way, you know, everything just really nice and clean in here. And he said, just made my day. Yeah. And I said, well, that's life, isn't it? You know, in, in, in life, you know, for some people, that is their job. They clean their loo for the 40 years. And so I don't mind whether you're cleaning the bogs, driving a bus, or working in a windsurf club or running a bank. We all are made of the same. And my view is uh, uh, just be nice to people, just be nice, just say hello treat people properly so sometimes you've got to start at the bottom to do that
0: definitely I I think you know for for me it it certainly gave me kind of perspective you know I did that and then then I worked in a petrol station for a while you know getting in at 5 30 in the morning and unloading you know food deliveries and all this and weirdly I mean I was 18 at that point and I was saving up to go to Australia to learn to windsurf and I I did that but I remember I absolutely loved it I had the best time I would get you know I was it, I very i think it very much is what you make it as well um but it, i think that can be difficult if you don't have a light at the end of the tunnel i had a light at the end of the tunnel i knew that i was going to do this job for uh for a year and then it was it was it was paying for me to go and do something really fun um, yeah, and i, I think, think i think i think you're
1: right and, you know, listen i think at the end of the day um I, I, you know one of the most important lessons i ever heard. Uh, a chap I worked for was the chairman of a company I was working at in the 90s and he gave a speech one day and he just said gentlemen and ladies be humble and I thought he was absolutely right, uh, you know humility in my mind is is the most important attribute. Uh, I, utterly, I utterly hate arrogance, overconfidence I'm not really good at uh, I don't mind you being confident but having a huge degree of insecurity and humility to ground you is, is, mm. is, is always a good combination for the I think these days but yeah and yeah you've got to be humble listen if you're working in a petrol station or freezing your ass off on a on a
0: milk float you know for a pound a day you know you can't be too arrogant with that eh no. <laughs> yeah exactly you can not and I think it's it is difficult and I do think unfortunately there is also this culture especially among men of as soon as they do get a job in the in the city or in that kind of corporate world the minute they kind of put a tie on and look down at themselves suddenly that air of arrogance just comes out of them um and i think that that is there there is that kind of toxic kind of culture um uh to it that i've you know i haven't got a huge amount of experience of but i wonder if you can speak to your experience
1: yeah well look, i think it's you it's really really simple um uh uh if i look at the people i work with in the city i i look at the people who like really, really, really super impressed me. I thought, bloody hell, you know, you're absolutely so much. There actually aren't that many. And you think, well, how can that be? Because there's a lot of people learning a lot of money. Truth is that I it's just a massive generalization, but an awful lot of people make quite a lot of money in the city and they're not really very good. Um, But it's just that that's the game you're in. Yeah. Um, so then you take someone who's not very good and you pay them a lot of money and, hey, professor, what do they think? They think, I must be really good because... They're paying me shitloads of money, and therefore people become quite full of their own self-importance and arrogant. And that's kind of that's kind of it. And yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. There are some people I met. No, I'm not a particularly smart guy, and there's some people I met who are just like super, super, super smart. Mm. But there's an awful lot of average people getting paid a lot of money and becoming very arrogant. And that's fine when you're down as one of those in the troops. Uh, 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 but you know, managing those people, that's really tough. And I'll never forget as a day when um, uh, there there's an American guy who should remain nameless to spare his flushes. And he was running the whole bank uh, in Europe. He called me up one day and he said, to him, can you just pop down for a couple of minutes? I popped down. I said, what is it? He said, I just need to say this. I said, what is it? He said, I am sick and fucking tired of babysitting multi-millionaire brokers. <laughs> I feel better now. You can go. And that was it. And that was it. And, uh, you know, yeah, managing people where there is an arrogance and an ego that, you know, isn't really justified, that's that's just part of it. It's tough, you know, brilliant people. And, and, and since I left the city, I, you know, I've never failed to have been amazed by how many utterly brilliant people I've met in other walks of life who are just so good on so many levels but just don't happen to be making a lot of money. But that's fine, that's fine. They seem very happy with that, and I'm very happy with that.
0: I think it's. I mean, it's. I've I've said it in a couple of other podcasts. Myself and a guy called Ed on another podcast, we said cliches are cliches for a reason. But I genuinely believe this one, um, and that is that that money does not necessarily equal happiness. Um, And I think that's where a lot of people maybe get it twisted in their kind of early years, and they go and chase, um, you know, the money in the city or whatever, and then you know they kind of get to it I, there's another quote isn't there about how there's a lot of a lot of lonely millionaires out there in their mansions you know yeah,
1: and 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 who wants to die the richest man in the graveyard yeah, yeah
0: look,
1: it's it's all true but no, no yeah, listen I, I don't want to knock it too much cuz it did well for me um but it's it's like anything you, know, you go in with your eyes wide open don't you so if you go in with your eyes wide open you know what you're signing up to but it 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 it's like anything you know life <coughs> Many areas of life, and hence the reason we're talking about. You know, they're demanding, and you know what, Some people are built to withstand pressure and stress and tiredness and all that one way, and some people don't cope so well. And I think where we're just not good is is looking generally looking after people for whom it all gets a bit much. I mean, we're just not very we're not very good at spotting it. We're not very good at talking about it. We're not really very good at, at helping it. I don't
0: think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's what was you you know, obviously you said you you've kind of been on the board and things for for various companies. Was there was there any kind of sort of chat about mental health and, and things like that? Was it was it as much of a thing? Because obviously, you know, physical, someone breaks their leg and things like that, you're like, oh God, they're in a you know, an accident and this and that, and they're time off and they need all this, but mental health obviously it's it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint all that stuff in the first place. So what was what was that kind of like? Um, in terms of trying to, trying to spot it and, and open a conversation?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I think the truth is this, is that um, <clears throat> if you've suffered badly <clears throat> from anxiety, mental health, whatever, uh, you kind of get it. It's kind of like we're in a club, aren't we? Right? It's like, you know, um, uh, and if you haven't, I, you know, I, I don't blame people. I think it's, it's really tough for people to understand what it's like. Yeah, definitely. You know? And your, your analogy is, is perfect. It's like, you know, I break my arm, I go to the hospital, and um, uh, somebody um, uh, puts a plaster on it and they wave it around. Everyone goes, oh, poor thing, and they sign your arm. Mm. Um, if you're suffering from anxiety, um, and however that might manifest itself or whatever, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're ill, yeah. you're broken, yeah. and, um, but people kind of don't see it, or you want to hide it, because you know there's always been a bit of a stigma about it, and, uh, and then, you know, I remember, yeah, I've had people say, it's like, well, oh, yeah, you should put himself together, or you should put yourself together, it's like, listen, mate, you know, if it was that easy, don't you think I would have done that, you know, yeah. this whole, you know, shape up, and, Put yourself together yeah thank you Einstein got that one um struggling a bit at the moment to be perfectly honest so uh I'll come back you on it and I so I think I think I think when you've had and suffered this stuff yourself you know you know and I know Sandy it's 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 easy to spot people um uh and I yeah just dang wrong you know uh back in the 80s man I suffered I mean I was uh I, I was in a bad place for a while
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true, isn't it? Like, yeah, you, again, you, you summed up, I did, did a podcast. I, when I first released the podcast, one of, one of my best friends, um, uh, Ed, he, he suffers with no issues at all. And I'd lived with him for uh, over a year in our, in our flat and known him for nearly 10 years. But he came in and, and after I, you know, he said, oh, you've started this podcast and all this. And he said, I listened to your, your intro stuff. And he was like, had no idea no idea and he'd he'd live with me through my through my lowest point the lowest point of you know my mum literally booked me a plane home to scotland and was like you need to come home in this and and ed was like i had no idea and he he felt kind of awful and i was like you you don't need to feel awful i don't want you to feel bad about it like it's that's the whole thing about it is that you can't you can't tell and ed ed was really open he was like look i've never suffered with any issues or anything so he's kind of like I don't really, that's why I did a podcast with him to kind of talk about it and, you know, all that stuff. And it's, it is one of those things. And now, you know, I kind of look, you know, you see someone on the train and they're, they're kind of moving their hands like this, or there's, there's certain kind of tells, you know, they're looking at their feet or, and I kind of sit and I'm like, I think as I'm, you know, and, and as I'm starting to feel better, everyone has good and bad days, but overall, you know, you start to feel better. And I, I do start to kind of spot people and go, I'm, I reckon they're not, they're not having a very good time, you know. Yeah. You do you do 100%. get to see it,
1: and 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 sell it one hundred percent. And the other thing is, it's it's the great level of this because it really doesn't matter whether you're a boy girl, old young, black white, uh, wealthy poor. um, uh, This thing doesn't sort of attack a certain group. Yeah, um, uh, and that's the thing I have found extraordinary. I mean, I you know listen, I at university I was always a bit anxious, but I kind of handled it sort of okay, and I, I'll never forget. I can laugh about it now because it is quite funny, but um when I look back at it with the time wasn't funny, I remember I was I don't know, two and a bit years into my city career, you know, doing really well. Um and I was coming home to Wimbledon one day on the train and I suddenly started getting these massive palpitations and I was thinking, think this isn't great and then I was cold sweat and breathless and dizzy, like, I am like and twenty-four years old and I'm having a heart attack. This is not what I was planning. Anyway. I- <laughs> got off the train and uh, I was in a flat at the time. Um, so I staggered home, got home and my, my, my then girlfriend and my wife, Sandy, who fortunately is a nurse, um, but unfortunately she wasn't there. And so it's cold and dark, and basically I'm convinced I'm having a heart attack. So I, I go upstairs to my uh, very good friend, Jamie, knock on his door and a number of my friends were there. And Jamie I said, what is it? I said, I, I think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. And- At the time, the the biggest soap show out was Dallas. um, And it was this big show. And there was this big episode, like, who killed JR? Who shot JR? And that was the episode. And Jamie literally said, Pete, Dickie's outside. He seems to be having a heart attack. And then Peter yelled back, tell him to look after you after after Dallas has finished. So I said, lay there. I'm in there as a doorway. Anyway, they came out. Uh, and they thought, oh, maybe he's being serious. So they called up the ambulance. The ambulance arrived, uh, asked me a few questions, gave me a valium, and sure enough, I'm ready to party. I mean, I'm, um, you know, it's it's like, wow, hang on, this is great. Um, and that was my sort of first real stress panic attack. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to say, well, that was fine. But then I just got into this, uh, and it's how it happens, isn't it? It you just get into this repetitive syndrome. So. They gave me some Valium and told me to go and see my GP. And I went and saw my GP yeah, a couple of days later and he put me on some tranquilizers. Yeah, there's a prescription, off you go. And so I took these things, and as long as I took them, I kind of felt kind of okay. But if I wanted to come off them, man, it was it was grim. And and I just got into this very bad place where I'll be absolutely honest, I sort of I sort of self-medicated with alcohol. Um, I would get into the office in the morning. I get to lunchtime every day. I I'd go to lunch with a client, and you know, back in those days in the city, you could drink, and boy, did I drink! And then I'd sort of leave, get home, and and Sandy would often come home to the flat with all the lights off and find me sat in the corner, at half a bottle of gin down. And that that I mean, it was grim. It was grim, and I I became pretty agoraphobic. I could go to work and things, but. You know, it was a nightmare for Sandy. I couldn't go to a restaurant because you, you know, for fear of having a panic attack. If I went yeah. to the cinema, I'd, you know, we sit down in the seat and within minutes I'll be worrying about, worrying about having a panic attack or so have a panic attack. So life was, life was, was, was royally shit, royally shit for, yeah, quite a lengthy period.
0: It's like one of those things, that is, it's such a vicious circle. I mean, I've, like, like, like you said, you almost become like agoraphobic. That's, that's a fear of going outside for anyone who's not sure what that is. So you you kind of, you don't want to leave your your flat. And I I kind of found myself a bit like that as well, of you kind of, you get your routine. And if you break that routine slightly, you're like, I can feel it. You know, something's happening. And it, you know, it manifests with everyone differently. But I think that's a really common thread through a lot of people's experience of like, breaking a routine is like a, a big no-no for them.
1: Yeah, and it's weird. It's like, you know, you say that and you're right it's like okay so how come Dickie, you could go to work
0: yeah
1: but you couldn't go out on the weekend the answer was well i had to go to work and i had a routine and as long as i you know numbed my anxiety at lunchtime with a couple of gin and tonics and a bottle of wine and brandy i kind of i'd be okay in, until the evening and but of course that's not sustainable right? so and 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 at some stage one has to sort of find one's way out, and and for me, this was back in the you know early mid '80s. You know, the world wasn't really good at it, and uh, uh, but I managed. To, you know, and as I always say to people, you know what? Well, there's no single um, cure for anybody. Uh, there are multiple things. For me, uh, the first thing I did was I actually went and had a full medical at the age of 25, and I paid the money for it. And the chap said, look, you know, you're in perfect physical health i said okay well that's good yeah so um uh so that was important um i started exercising and changing my diet so i gave up anything with caffeine Mm -hmm. you know i've been caffeine free for 30 years Uh, um, uh, i started exercising because to me that was a a good escape Mm. Uh, and then i had a couple of weird things really there was a I found this amazing book, which has been my Bible for 30 years. And I had given this book to well over a hundred people. Yeah. Uh, a tiny little book, and it's called Self-Help for Your Nerves by an Australian doctor, Claire Weeks. And I recommend it to anyone. It'll take you two hours to read it. Yeah. And, and when I read it, it was for the first time I read something. It's like, hey, that's me. And she's talking about me there. And OK, so this what I'm happening here. I'm not the only person in the world. And she was describing symptoms and how you trigger it and how you yeah. calm it. And, and that book sat in my briefcase for 20 years. And anywhere I went in the world, if I ever found myself beginning to have a, you know, feeling a bit out of salt and a kilter, bang, I would uh, I read the book. Um yeah. And, and other stuff, I found acupuncture. I, I found an amazing, brilliant Chinese lady in Putney. And if I, it's like, wait, sometimes you can do your exercise and do your read your book, but sometimes it's like the pressure cooker. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and you just can't. And it's like, wow, how do I bring this down? And acupuncture was always my last one. I'd go and see wonderful Siobhan Lee. She'd put some needles in me. I'd fall asleep for 40 minutes, probably fart like a pig. And then I'd wake up and I'd just feel, wow. I'm okay again and I'm calm again. And you know, and then what ultimately happened was because I knew I had that final backup of acupuncture to bring me down when I really need it. Knowing you've got that, knowing you've got it in your armory, you kind of end up in a position where you never get to where you need it. Or if you yeah. do, it's very, very rare. Um, but yeah, people find people have to find their way and 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 there are you know there's stuff, but the answer isn't, well, let's say the answer isn't drugs, hopefully for most people, the answer isn't drugs, the answer isn't alcohol, um, because, you know, that's not good, but for some people, maybe that is the answer, but there are all sorts of things, and more recently, I've, you know, become a massive yoga addict, and, uh, you know, man, that stuff, that's great for body and soul,
0: yeah, really. yeah, yeah, definitely, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for it. I say it on literally every podcast episode. I'm a huge advocate for finding a a passion in your life that's not related to your career, if possible, but finding something that you can devote a couple of hours to a week that just takes you out of where you're meant to be, if you know what I mean. Takes you out of, oh, I've got work tomorrow and I've got this meeting or I've got this, you know, whatever going on. Like you said, if you can go into a yoga studio for 40 minutes or acupuncture or... Or you know, like well, I mean, you know, for yourself and for me as well. Like windsurfing, if you can go windsurfing yeah. for a couple of hours, for me it's just like reset button. And that and
1: that's so that's why I that that was me windsurfing in the, you know, I used to I, I used to get on a train in London, and come down here in my sort of suit, yeah, uh, and be so sort of like stressed. And I get out the taxi at home and uh, I put on a pair of boardies and some flocks and I go to the pub and have a couple of pints and then the next day I get up and if the wind was blowing, you know what, it didn't matter how shit you felt, okay, you're there and there's this wonderful thing called nature, but even more than that, you know, when you're windsurfing and it's windy and there's waves and you know that you mess up, it's going to hurt a lot, <laughs> all you're focused on is the waves, the wind, the gusts, other people, you're just in that zone, aren't you, right, mm-hmm. and by the way, even more so with kite surfing because when it goes wrong, there it's, it's catastrophic and painful. But <laughs> in that zone, and then I would come off the water, and a I feel I'd had a good workout physically, but more importantly, I was like rinsed mentally. Yeah. And there'd be times I'd be sat on the beach thinking, I can't actually remember what was it, what was I worried about? And I, I I just couldn't get there. Yeah. And so whatever do you do to get yourself into that zone, yeah, I think that's yeah
0: that's 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 really important really important totally like you you, i mean the word you just use is perfect like rinsed i you literally do feel like someone's kind of opened your head and just sort of poured a load of cold water in and you know done that shaking you around a bit and you know put the top back on and it 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 does do that but that's you know and i i talk about it a lot obviously because windsurfing is kind of my my sort of chosen thing but it it can literally be anything you know it doesn't I think if it's got a kind of physical element to it that's good as well because if you're you know after a workout or like like I said this month I've started running and before this month I'd never been for a run in my life and now it's it's been 30 days it's a habit now I'm gonna carry I'm gonna continue doing it because I don't necessarily enjoy the actual run but afterwards I'm like oh I feel quite good and like you said even you know I stick a podcast on and it's kind of Forty minutes of the day that is kind of just for me, you know. I don't check my emails. I don't check any work, you know. And often, kind of weirdly, sometimes I'll find my mind sort of wandering, and I might think about work, and I might think of something that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of if I was as uh, good, you know.
1: And I think I think you make a good point as well because it was easier to do that when we weren't living in a mobile world. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, yeah. You, I mean. You know, young people probably don't get this, but you'd get in a car and that was it. I mean, you know, you'd have a radio, but there's no phone. Yeah, no, yeah it wasn't any WhatsApp, there's no Instagram, Facebook. And of course, you know, we now live in this sort of always on world and mm. you know, your notifications, your phone beeps, or whatever. And so, so I think that that kind of, uh, you know, if you haven't been prone to anxiety and panic and stress, yeah. just the ping of a phone can just be unsettling so and, and, I, and i think i think yeah you yeah you have to find ways to reset and you know again i've been very fortunate over the years because i've met you know i, I think you know, there's an awful lot of charlatans in the world of mental health right I and mean, there's an awful lot of people who literally make a living out of you know, if you're if you're a, a counselor you know yeah. and um, uh, uh, Lundley, and I get something that sounds awful in a way, but if you fix someone, then guess what? You need a new clients. So so I know people who've been seeing counsellors for decades. Yeah. I'm, I like counsellors who are so good at fixing people that then word spreads, and therefore they don't need the work. Yeah. They turn the work away. And again, I've you know, been fortunate over the years to, you know, when you kiss a lot of frogs, there's an amazing woman who is in this world of, mental health and anxiety. I mean she is the Alex Ferguson of mental health. She is one every she's just extraordinary. And again, you know, I'm I I just if someone's really struggling, boom, go see the wonderful Jennifer, uh, because she is good at this shit and will make you better and make you whole. And 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 that's and that's been kind of me. So you know since I managed to work out, okay, how do I personally deal with this? And 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 you know what it's like, Sunny, when you go into that black space, it's a really black space and you can see no way out. And what you have to remember is you go in really quickly, but if you can find your chink of light, you can find what works, you can find your way out, you can come out really quickly. Mm. And I see that people have been struggling for years and they don't believe me. And then, you know, we go through a whole lot of stuff and then everyone, find, when you find that chink of light, you come out. And so since for me, you know, I've kind of, uh, I'm kind of able to cope a lot, well pretty well fine but every now and then we have dips but you know, pretty well um, uh, I just try and to your point earlier, if, if I see someone or I hear someone or I know someone who's suffering I'm all in, I'm literally okay how can I help and um, there's a brilliant young lad who's a great friend of our son who has been in a really black place and I was working with him um, for a while, and and sent him to see some some of these great people and all this, and he got better. And he and he, he 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 described it utterly beautifully. Mm. He said, um, "It used to be that there was this monster that was controlling me, but now I know how to control the monster, and so it's not so scary anymore." And he was I don't know 16. He's like, "Yeah, that's yeah, you. well, that's perfect. That's that's it." And so yeah, now I spent I, you know through my career and you know, just people and me, I if, if someone's suffering, you know, we've got to try and help them.
0: Yeah. I think it's it's one of those things as well that it's it's not like uh, an illness or a broken arm or something like that in that it's gonna heal and get better and then you're fine. It's I think we're you you're kind of kidding yourself if you think, oh, I I you know suffered with anxiety, whatever in the past, but but now it's completely gone. But I think you're kind of kidding yourself with that because, it, it, unfortunately, I think it is a bit of a, a kind of lifetime affliction. Um, yeah. So I think when you, you you kind of first of all, you you kind of have to make peace with that a little bit. Um, but then also, I think one of the, the big first steps that a lot of people make that's great is recognizing that something's wrong in the first place, because a lot of people maybe don't even get to that. They kind of go through life going, right, well, or a period of their life like, right, well. Um, this is shit, you know. It, I'm having a dark time, and and that's it. They don't actually think, oh, what is it that's causing it, or what, you know? They don't try and look to the root of the problem. They just, I, I think there's a lot of acceptance going on that is a real shame.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And um, yeah, if you had a uh, if you had a really sore arm for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, yeah. you wouldn't say, well, wow, it's got this sort of broken arm. I mean, yeah. you'd get fix, right. And I think, and I think, I still think it's the stigma. People, you know, if people don't like to admit that they're not coping. Mm. Actually, they yeah. don't like to. But, you, know, you know, back, yeah, you know, you know, what are you, some sort of nut job? You're having a breakdown or something? He's like, yeah, I am, but I'm not going to admit that to you, am I? So so people, I think you're right, I think soldier on. Um, I think your other point is absolutely right, which is, you um, yeah, if it's in your DNA, if it's in your, if you're predisposed to, you know, some people can eat rubbish food and not put on weight. Yeah, some, you know, I look at a donut and I put a couple of pounds on. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and uh, yeah, five foot four, that shows. So, so everyone's made differently, and and if you're if if you're predisposed to be anxious and suffer in this way, uh, I think you. Right. I don't think it ever goes, but but I think you get better at coping yeah. um, and to you know Will's point of the uh, you know I can control the monster if you see it coming you you, you can begin to do stuff in advance and, and as long as you can control it and it doesn't take you to the black place mm. then that's okay that's kind of okay and, and and you can live I think a good healthy happy wonderful life and um uh but but you've got to start somewhere and you've got to learn and work whatever it is for you that um that makes the difference and i get to your point you know i've seen i've i've seen people working for me and you know you think you know i'd see someone in a meeting and I'd say, just hang on afterwards and you'd sit there and say look i'm, I'm aware of how you're feeling and mm. i've been there myself and then they begin to open up it's like a confessional isn't it it's like Forgive me, Father, because I have mental sins, and yeah. and then, and then and then you're sat there talking. You say, "Well, how long have you been like this?" And they say, "I don't know, twelve years." It's like, "Wow, you know, come on." Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it, it's something that yeah, it probably is. I think it is with. It's always someone there in the background, but you've got to sort of keep it in the background.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, it's just making sure it doesn't come to the fore, and then if and if and when it does come. You know, come up to the top, you kind of have to work out. I think someone someone I did a podcast with, uh, uh Ben from Witterings Fitness, uh, I did a podcast with him and he 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 talks about it like a kettle, and you you just gotta stop the kettle from boiling over.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, And that's a my pressure cooker of earlier. It is, you have to. And um and and, and and the great regret, and I don't know what it's like these days, but you know, if you back it when I first was suffering, the way they got you to not boil over was just to give you the razepam or diazepam or whatever and of course you don't boil over but you know instead of having your highs and lows you just sort of sit somewhere in
0: the middle and it's like you know I've never been a sit in the middle sort of bloke really no (laughs) no yeah I mean I've you know I it it never quite got to that point with me you know I'm, I'm very lucky I've got such a great support network um of people around me so that they all kind of rallied before it got to that point. Um, You know, so I, I kind of managed to do that, which I'm, I'm quite grateful for. Cause I'm, uh, I mean, I know it, it works for some people and this by no means is this me coming, kind of, being on a podcast and, and, and kind of shitting on people that, that rely on it at all. But I just think there's different, like we said, different things work for different people. Uh, but largely, I think it is kind of widely recognized that within mental health, if you can avoid, avoid being on medication, then you, you kind of should, Um you yeah.
1: know, and I am that, I think that you're lucky as well. And I, 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 as I say, I, I do think, you know, if you've not been there, you don't get it. That's what I said earlier. I mean, it's really it's really tough explain to somebody. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, who's not had many... Oh, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've worked with... No, not works. It sounds like I'm, I'm not a professionalist. I just care about people who, who are struggling. So <laughs> I've, I've, I've helped people who are struggling in this uh and two young kids and, and, and you know you talk to their parents and look this is what's happening they say yeah but i mean you just need to snap out of it or yeah. put yourself together or shake yourself up whatever it's like no no that's not well why is it well i know you can't sell it and again genuinely genuinely to anybody who is the partner of someone who's suffering with mental health and anxiety just read that book self-help Your by dr claire weeks and you'll get, you won't get it because you've not been there. You don't know how scary it is to have palpitations, cold sweats, panic attacks, and not be able to function. You'll never understand that mm. until you are in the grip of it. But if you can read around the edge of it, you'll kind of learn much more than you ever knew. And then you can begin, to understand? And as you say, um, you know, support is key. I mean, you know, my wonderful wife has just been there for me. You know for decades now, and yeah. uh, 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 but 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 you know, people have to learn, and as and, and and yeah, you know, I'd much rather people learned and got wise by people by this sort of thing, you know, this sort of stuff you're doing and reading a book. I'd much rather people learn that way than going into it and experiencing it themselves, yeah, you know, because it's a scary place, scary place,
0: yeah, definitely. I think you know, it's. It... Again, like it is foolish to be like, oh, it's never going to happen again and this and that. But if you can go in prepared and know that, you know, whoever it is in your kind of network that is there for you and, and things like that, you know, like my one of one of my best friends, uh, Bruce, he he he's been on the podcast a couple of times. And he one of the things he said to me <clears throat> when when I first put the podcast out and he sort of messed up, oh, no idea all this. And he he summed up really well. And he said, "I'd rather listen to you talk on the phone to me for ten minutes about what's going on in your brain than listen to your your eulogy." You know. Um, well, I think
1: I think yeah. Well, that's that's it, isn't it? And and that and that's the essence of it, isn't it? Because if you can't see it, you have to hear about it, don't you? Yeah. And 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 that means people got to get comfortable about talking about it um and it is really as simple as that and that's the other extraordinary thing is you know over the years you know we who are afflicted um uh yeah you know, it's it's quite a big club i don't know what the stats are is it i don't know 40 percent of the uk population at some stage suffers mental health issues so it's not such a sort of exclusive club that no. that, 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 that you know people don't want you know, a lot of people have been there so um, and, I, and and again, so people are different. You know, some people are very private. I've always been an open book of other gobby blokes So I'd much rather talk to someone about stuff and say and share than try and shoulder it all myself all day long. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think his point is right though, uh, because you know I've, I've 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 seen people who've been in yeah you, know, you know very black black places you know way beyond my pay grade of, of helping and. I've just tried to get them to see smart people sort of out and you don't want
0: to go there. You know. exactly. You know, it is it's sort it's of... I mean, even like like you said about the kind of almost like a community, even, even for me, you know, in the last year, just under a year of doing this podcast and the people I've spoken to have all loads of them... You know, I was thinking the other day, I'd love to, like, do an event and get every guest I've had all in the same room together. And That's you'd look very- around and be like, none of these people... Or you know, a lot you know, quite a few of them are from the kind of water sports and my kind of circle, but a lot of them as well. You'd be like, how how would you put all of these people together? And they don't, you know, sure they don't all necessarily suffer from mental health issues, but it it's it's now it's now as well in mainstream media and things like that. A lot of people are talking about it more and things, and I think that's one of the biggest problems is people feeling feeling alone, and that's why they can't talk about it. So that's one of, the, one of the great things about, I think the world is maybe turning a corner. I don't know whether what's happened this year has almost accelerated it a little bit, um, you know, both in an awful way because, you know, people have had their livelihoods ruined all that. But in terms of the global conversation about it, I think that's been made a lot louder uh, because of what's happened this year. Yeah,
1: this is by the way, I love the idea of getting one in the room because that that's my earlier point. This thing doesn't discriminate. So you just see this diverse group of people and it's like... Yeah. Okay, so it's it's it, it's not just picking on a certain type, um, and I think you're right. Though I mean, listen, you know, we're in a we're in a crazy world at the moment, and uh, the bit that that really worries me, really worries me, is not. And I know it sounds awful. you know, look, don't get me wrong; it's a horrid disease, and if you're very old and unwell, it's not good. And for lots of people, it's it, it's you know, I mean, it's not a trivial disease. But the mental health impact of locking people up and locking people away is is catastrophic you know? yeah. and, 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 and fear because you know all this mental health stuff at the end of the day whether you're having an anxiety attack or panic attack or whatever it comes from an essence it starts with fear something scares you yeah. create um, a physical manifestation a physical symptom that then becomes mental So what have we done for nine months? We've tried to scare the shit out of the entire population. So then, if we really scare the shit out of these people, then they'll obey our our rules. And it's like, wow. You know, uh, has anyone actually questioned whether that's the best way to get people to do things? And I know know people who are literally scared shitless um, and terrifyingly talking to um, some young people i know you know the you know i'll just say this: you know, the, the suicide rate in young people is so hmm. much hmm. uh and and it, and, it, and it's and it's it's awful all in the name of saving the world from covid and so i think in an awful way uh this world we're in has unquestionably been a tsunami a perfect storm for exploding mental health hmm. right you know isolating people Scaring people, giving them reasons to be worried, taking away the basic tenets of human behavior, socialization, fun, giving people no reason to look forward to the future with fun. I can't go to the pub for a beer, I'm being told all that mm-hmm. is just gonna create this. It's a tsunami of, of mental health. And 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 the only good that will come out of it is if, as you say, Sandy, someone somewhere suddenly says, Okay, now we've got to pick up the pieces on mass um and that will benefit all but you know do i trust in this country that we're going to pick up the pieces on mass no fucking way
0: yeah that's the problem isn't it because it kind of i can sit on this podcast and talk all day and there's many other you know people out there doing the same thing and you know like you said counsellors and all this stuff we can we can do it all day but it's it kind of needs to be like we've got you know institutional change doesn't it like going back to even the way they structure you know people that go and work in the city and right you know you almost get hazed and you've got to do your time in this and if people are already fragile going into starting a new career and oh you know say they've you know been made redundant lost their jobs they're now searching for a new job they go in and essentially get you know just put on the shit pile for right you're, you're here for the next year and you're going to do this you know how, how how do people expect how do they expect people to to be able to get on with it you know and I listen. I I think we
1: will, you know, in years to come, we will look back at this this period. And um, listen, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Who would want to be uh, an MP, let alone prime minister? At the oh MP? yeah, for sure. Careful what you ask, Boris. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, um, <laughs> but that's their job, right? So, and, and I'm sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure they are genuinely all trying to do their best. Yeah. But, and and hindsight is the most wonderful thing in the world. Yeah. In hindsight, you know, Rodney. This time next year, we'll all be millionaires, right? So, so, but we will look back with the benefit of hindsight at what's been going on in the last year, and and there will be massive, massive blame, mistakes made, whatever, and that's fine. But the thing that worries me is you scare the shit out of a population for nine months with no safety net. Wow, mm-hmm. you know those because, as you say, Sam, you, know, you know, you break an arm, you put a plaster on it, you fix it. You scare someone into a mental health place. That 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 can, that doesn't just go away with a plaster on, yeah. um, necessarily. And so, um, so we will see. We'll see. And I listen. I hope we're all wrong, and and I hope that actually the entire British population is far more resilient. But it does. It 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 just strikes me as something very poor about that. Very poor about that. That way of dealing with this thing.
0: Yeah, I'm in terms of the kind of mental health thing. I I am sort of ca, I'm cautiously optimistic about it because I do think I do think that it is. It just has opened up so much more of a conversation among people. You know, um, and whilst whilst people have you know lost work and and this stuff I think it's given a lot of people a time to kind of sit back and and reflect and actually actually kind of what is important do I need to be spending 40 hours a week doing this when actually we've got enough to live if I went down to doing it for 25 hours or actually the amount of work I'm doing I could get done in four days you know something like that and people you know you know they say that I spoke to, you know, Roscoe at Shore and he said they sold out of wetsuits this summer. You couldn't buy a wetsuit in the UK, apparently, all the suppliers, everything, because everyone was like, well, you know, fuck it, I'm going to buy a paddleboard or I'm going to learn to kite surf or windsurf or surf, anything. So I think a lot of people have kind of, yeah, sat, sat back and gone, do you know what I've always wanted to learn? You know, I've always wanted to to do a sport, or I've always wanted to 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 learn to, I don't know, you know, ride, ride my bike no-handed, whatever, you know. So a lot of people have... Kind of invested in themselves in that way, you know, buying themselves a, a paddle board or, or something like that. And I think that's that's brilliant, and that that's going to kind of inform tomorrow's society in a really really nice way. I think, um, yeah. as long as, as, as it's not just down sticks. As soon as we're allowed back out the gate again.
1: Yeah, and I, listen, I think you're right. Uh, you know, you, you, when one looks back, there have been some, you know, beautiful things. I mean, if I remember back in the early lockdown. Obviously, the weather was a bit better than it is now, but of course, it's gorgeous weather. So it's lovely. Um, and 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 you kind of got back this feeling of sharing, we're all in it together, society. Yeah. You know, and you'd be walking along, and you know, people would say hello to each other, and people would stop and talk to each other, who wouldn't normally in the past, it wasn't a, an affront of my privacy because there's a bug all else to do so. We're all out taking our walk around Chiston Marina, and, and we stop, and we talk, and we find out who we are, and we help and there's been caring. And I think there's been um yeah, you, know, you know, families become important again, yeah, and support. Uh, and I think, and I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, listen, when when you know, when when you're faced with the possible end of your own mortality and destiny, or what have you, it's pretty good because everyone thought everyone was gonna die this thing, it's quite a good way of sort of shaping your view as to okay, what's really important, and actually, what's really important is here. Now yeah and the sun's shining and I've got a cold beer. and There's a bumblebee in, on my lavender. You know what? I can just sit here for five minutes and the world is okay. And yeah. so I, 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 you know, I, I think there have been, yeah, listen, amazingly good things, and not least of which was we could all go cycling on roads with no cars on. But that's unfortunately changing. So it's all that good. And I really, really, really deeply do hope that you know, in a year's time, when we're all out of this with vaccines or God knows what else. The world just doesn't completely forget that. We go back. Yeah, we have to hold some of those good things because, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a reboot and a reset. And yeah, we shouldn't, you know, Christ, we can't go through all this pain and not and uh, not benefit. We can't waste that.
0: We've got to learn something, haven't we?
1: Yeah, we have. And I think, you know, I'm mean, uh, you know, surprised. You know, I was a nightmare. Week one lockdown, our boys came down. I think it was Ben who said, Dad, you are a nightmare. And frankly, uh, if you carry on with this, uh, and Joe, you know, thanks him up, <laughs> basically said, we're going back to London, and it can't be as bad as being down here with you. <laughs> and I, literally, I took myself off around the other side of Chester Marina. Uh, it was March, it was pretty cold, I had a warm coat on, and a hat and a scarf. And I gave myself a right old bollocking, uh, a right old talking to, and and I sort of pulled myself together. And then, you know, yeah, we just sort of went with the flow, and... That's what everyone's had to do, yeah. You know, and, and you know, I was a control freak who suddenly stuff was way out of my control. You had to yep. learn, you had to learn, baby. So yeah, I listen, I Sonny, I hope you're right. I, I I'm sure you're right. You're you're smart, bright, and young. Um, and I'm just old and and, and, and cynical, but um, I just I, I hope mm-hmm. we remember the good stuff, and I hope that scaring a population witless for nine months doesn't take too big a toll.
0: Definitely. I think you, I mean, you you just, you hit the nail on the head there. Then that's, that's something I've realized this lockdown. Um, Actually, my, my mum, my mum actually said this to me and it it calmed me down quite a lot. I sort of phoned her last week and I was having a particularly bad time. Um, And I, you know, I said, I'm, you know, really frustrated. Obviously, you know, I, I, you know, became self-employed in October last year. So it not, not great timing um, for this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been quite difficult especially over the last few weeks um and you know i thought my mom and, you know i said i'm so you' know, pissed off and all this and she said it's it's not the fact that you know the work and anything like that she said it's the fact that you are not in control of your own destiny right now if the world was normal and you were in the state you're in now you could go out and you could talk to people and say oh you know this is what i do this is what i do but she was like but at the moment no one wants to listen because everyone's there's other thing, you know. No one, yeah. no one's hiring. You know, no one's hiring. No one, no one can. You can't go and meet anyone. You can't do anything. So she, you know, at the moment, you you have no control over your own destiny. And one, that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um. And and you know, two, it's well, two, it's absolutely terrifying. You know, there's no other way of saying it. You know, it's. but, but what
1: you and I said, you're absolutely right. And I think, listen, I think the young, young for young people, this is way tough, isn't it? Yeah. If you are, you know, the older you are, the more sort of socially isolated you become, anyway, naturally. So, again my mother, bless her, you know, going into lockdown, um I mean, it didn't really change much. <laughs> like, you, know, you can go walking with your friend Marion, you walk your dogs, you come home, and you know, you can't go to this and that. Or, okay, fine, bad luck, you know. And yeah. the church was closed, which was a big thing. I'm it, but yeah, if you're young, yeah, you know, you're young and you're. You're on your career and you're getting to get into relationships and friendships and all that. And that won't bang, the door yeah. is on your face. That's really, really, really tough. And I think, but I think what you have to remember is this is, is number one, this ain't forever, all right? Yeah. So it's just temporary. And there's that lovely old football saying, you know, class is permanent, form is temporary. And all that's happening is that the world is having a collective dip in form. And yeah. it's not a dip in form because you've forgotten how to kick a football. It's just that actually kicking a football ain't happening at the moment. Yeah. And so don't beat yourself up about it. You know, you do everything you can to make sure that when the world opens up again, you're ready to roll. But, you know, it's not you that's got the problem. It's the world that's got the problem. Yeah. And so when the world doesn't have the problem, you'll, you know, the boats will all start floating again as the tide comes in and it will be fine again. And as I said to my twins who are much different age to you i say you know when you look back in 30 years time uh this will just be a tiny little blip on an otherwise hopefully great glorious and happy life Mm. Uh, but right now yeah it feels royally shit um uh and and, you know everyone just has to you know we just get through the best we can and and then we come out the other side and and the sun
0: will shine and the birds will sing exactly yeah you could I don't think anyone could have said that any better, Dickie. That was brilliant. Um well maybe,
1: maybe maybe. I was like, i like to say, you know, when you get to be a bit older, you've seen all this stuff before, but I sure as shit haven't seen anything like this before. So yeah. <laughs> so it is, you know, it's like it, it is weird. But yeah, and, and that, yeah, you know, that whole mindfulness world, like I, I I think it's it's got a lot going for it. It's like, you know. we're all this this world will still be going on there will be people inhabiting it way after you and i are pushing out the daisies and the sun will come up and the seasons will change and you just have to find what joy you can on a day and you know if if it's there's a bit of surf up and go surfing great you know if the leaves are all falling off the trees and I spend time picking up leaves and getting a sweat on. That's fine. And little Robin comes and sits on my spade next to me, and I'm convinced it's my old man's spirit. It's mm. all fine. You know, you've just got to find those little things and just keep going. And and importantly, when you have your shit days and your down days and by Christ, crisis, has it, just make sure you don't do it on your own. Talk to someone and yeah, and yeah, you know, you know, get through. Get through.
0: Yeah, and I think I think at the moment as well if you are having your shit day and things like that, kind of, you know, lean into it as well. Don't, don't, don't necessarily try and fight it because you're not going to win all you need. All I, all I do, if I'm having a shit day is I work out, right. How do I, how do I sort Sandy out now? How do I try and make myself happy? Do I go and do a workout? You know, if I can't be bothered, I'm like, right. Okay. You know, what, shall I just sit on the sofa? And shall I put star Wars on and escape for a couple of hours? Or, you know, I think, I'm, I am a big, big advocate of that. You know, there's a lot of stuff in, within the mental health space of if you feel shit, you know, well, get off your ass, go and go and run the 5K, and then come back and lift some weights, and you'll feel better. And it's like, yeah, that may be true, but in that hour until you do feel better, you know, you've got to go through a lot more pain. And it's like, well, is is it actually, you know, worth it? Um,
1: Sam, Sam, you're right. And again, you know, uh, as I said before, there's no one size it's all um, um uh, uh cure for any of this yeah but but yeah you know, yeah and i I think there's another thing which is I remember years ago when my boys were studying in France and they were really 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 struggling um yeah, it was like immersing themselves in, a, uh, in society in Paris it was pretty close and it was hard and they were being taught in French and even though they were reading French at university weren't fluent that stage and they were struggling I was having lunch with a great mate of mine. Uh, you know, very, very brilliant, wise man, uh, most successful man in the world of advertising, a fellow called Peter Mead, who has he, just been a mentor for me for years. And I was saying Pete, you know, um, the boys are having a tough time. I keep, uh, I keep saying to them, uh, you know, don't worry, it'll get better. And he said, you're saying the wrong thing. I said, well, yeah. oh, what have you saying?" He said, just tell them it's not going to get worse. And um, <laughs> you know, And I think it's the same now. It's like. It's like, I, you know, you can't imagine a world which is worse than the one we're living in at the moment where, yeah. where you, know, you can't, you're, you're literally being told when you can go to work, how, where, how to travel, where you can eat, where you can't eat, whether you can see your grandmother, how to sing carols. I mean, it's nuts, right? It's nuts. But all I keep saying to people is, but it won't get any worse than this. right? Yeah. So if we get through this, Uh, It just gets better all the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's kind of yeah. It's good to sort of spin it, spin it on like that sort of positive-negative axis, isn't it? Of like, it only gets better. Because then, if you say it only gets better, you get a certain level of expectation there, don't you? And then if it if it doesn't get loads better, you kind of go, well, I was told it was going to get better, you know.
1: But if 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 the answer is it doesn't get any worse than this, then it's like, okay, so I can do this.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm fine. And it's um, all up,
0: it's all up from
1: there, you know. I mean, it has to be. I mean, honestly, I was I was like I was reading something today on the government guideline websites, and I'm absolutely convinced that somewhere along the line, um uh, comedy sketch writers from I don't know Drop the Dead Donkey have infiltrated the civil service <laughs> and are writing uh, a whole load of the COVID guidelines, you know, just yeah, I'm really I'm thinking. This can't be serious, yeah. Yeah. For Christmas, we suggest if you have a granny mother with you, sit her on a separate table next to an open window. It's like what is going on? But there we go. I'm fine. I'm finding a degree of gallows humour at
0: all. Yeah, I think well, this, it, currently it's kind of the only way to do it. I mean, I'm yeah, either that or I'm I'm trying just not to go near any of the news or anything like that. I keep I keep sort of ending up on the BBC website and doom scrolling, but I'm like, no, or, you know, Twitter or anything. So I just, I'm really yeah, trying yeah. at the moment to, to just kind of live in, live in my own immediate bubble. And then if yeah. if anything big comes to light, I'll I'll get told about it, you know.
1: Oh, and Sammy uh, is 100% right do. Honestly, it's like uh, I spent six months literally on news back. I have not watched a TV news broadcast since March. If I'm listening to the radio and it comes to news, I turn it off. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I skim read uh a couple of paper headlines in the morning. If I think it's an interesting and positive article, I'll read it. If I don't, I
0: don't.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm like, you it's like, you know, I'll 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 hear if something important happens. Don't worry about that.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um so to kind of to kind of finish up then, uh a couple of sort of quick fire questions that I yeah. always, always ask anyone. Um where where's your where's your happy place, Dickie? If you click your click your fingers right now, where are you?
1: exactly where it is whenever I'm in yoga or meditation or anywhere it's exactly the same place it is on the bench next to the windsurf club at West Whitman yeah that's where I am I close my eyes and I just take myself there and yeah because that's where I've had my have, I've, I've windsurf there I've brought my family up my boys love it down there Joe's got into kiting that's my happy place
0: awesome yeah, I must say the 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 trench the trench holds a very dear place in my heart. Um, yeah, it is one of my one of my all yeah top top three windsurf spots in the the whole world. I say this a lot. You you know, I've travelled to Brazil, I've travelled to Cape Town, anywhere. And you uh, for a flat water, you know, freestyle or you know, blasting spot, there there are there are few better in on the in the world. Uh, well, the,
1: the, the... there on a sunny day where the southwest wind. Uh,
0: it's yeah it's heaven isn't it yeah it's, it's, it's unbelievable know. it's unbelievable um obviously you know we, we've just spoken about being being in lockdown things like that i don't know if you and i know you said you you kind of worked in in media and things i i love um i love my films my tv things like that have you been have you watched anything this year that's of, of note well uh
1: definitely watching and tonight is the last episode of that amazing Sky Atlantic, Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant thing, The Undoing, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, tonight's the last episode, yeah. Um, I'm a great believer that, that that when stuff's a bit shit, um, watch Happy Stuff. Yeah. So we've absolutely ripped through all series of Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. Um, and as we approach Christmas, we're going large on the Vicar of Dibley. <laughs> um, and you just can't be meet the parents and meet the fuckers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I sort of yeah. When I when I wanna when I wanna feel happy, I've got yeah go to series and movies that you just feel warm and cozy about, don't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, comedies that you can just yeah yeah. You kind of
1: yeah. Well, yeah have you seen anything that I should I've missed? Anything I should be getting hold of?
0: I don't know. I'm, i mean, I'm kind of. I'm almost the other way, Dickie, I. With what's happened at the moment, I kind of very much just want to throw myself into another world. So, you know, what whatever it is. I don't know if you've uh, on on Netflix there's the new one about chess that's come out recently called The Queen's Gambit.
1: Yeah, so to, for now if I, Sandy was talking about that last night. I've got to watch that. Man. Yeah,
0: that's that's good. It's only it's only like six, six, seven episodes. So you you get through it, but it's it's uh, Netflix's most popular. Uh, limited series, I had like 65 million households have watched it, you know, over a weekend. That's,
1: that's well, so, and have you watched Chernobyl, by
0: the way? Yes, that's amazing, isn't it?
1: I mean, I mean obviously opposite to to, 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 to good, uh, but absolutely, yeah. unhappy, but utterly brilliant and makes you realise that actually, you know, but for a couple of unbelievably brave people and some brilliant scientists, we probably wouldn't be here now anyway, so. Yeah, that's, it's terrifying. Quite a, it? Level, quite a leveler.
0: Because I, yeah, and I, I had no idea that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't around, um, so I, you know, it's weird, I, you know, my mum watched it and spoke to her and she was like, I remember, I think my my auntie was pregnant at the time and she was, she was worried about the, ba- you know, baby, She you know, yeah. in, in Surrey and she was worried about something coming over from Russia and all this, so I didn't realise that it was, you know, like a, as global as it was.
1: Yeah, no, massive, massive, although even at the time, obviously, as, the, as, as it shows. We had no idea it was all after. But No, yeah, a bit of escapism. And in fact, funny out the other day, Sandy and I were talking. Sandy said, "Okay, without thinking, the top five things that you missed because of lockdown. And top of my list was going to the cinema. And yeah. The top of that, you know, to me, yeah. You know, now that I can, now that I don't panic in a cinema, I'm going to the cinema and just losing yourself in film with a bottle of popcorn, a bag of popcorn. Why not? I can't wait for that again.
0: What was the What was the last film you saw in the cinema? Do you remember?
1: Uh God, I don't, I don't, but I tell you, no, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. There was one that Sandy saw, which was some really super complicated one, that no one understood. Uh, I and mean, when she went, it was in you know, just after lockdown had finished. I think she was the only person in the cinema fully masked up. It was three hours. And I said, Do you enjoy it? So not a clue what it was about, but it was just nice to be there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um and uh, no, I can't remember the last movie I saw, can't remember. Mine was uh, I saw
0: 1917. Did you see that the World War One film? film? Yeah, that Fantastic was the last one. That was the last one I saw. I saw that in the cinema in Chichester. It was brilliant. That was the one where they shot it all in one take. Yeah, well, it's it's made to look like it. I think there's like there's there's 13 yeah. cuts or something like that throughout the whole yeah. Film. yeah, yeah.
1: That and the IMAX. It's but yeah, man. Yeah, we missed that. And yeah, I missed Chelsea it. Football Club as well live. But you know, everyone's
0: got everyone's got their cross to bear. Indeed, indeed. Um, and then finally, obviously, uh, you know, we said just before I hit record, usually, usually I'll be uh drinking drinking some beers while I while I like to record the podcast. Actually, I've got the can here. This is this is what I had the last time. I had the Kona Brewing Company, Longboard Live. Longboard either. Yeah, which is actually really, really good. But are you uh are you a, are you a beer man? You mentioned gin and tonics earlier. Are you much of a yeah, beer?
1: Man? I love listen, if it's alcoholic, I love it. Um <laughs>
0: uh,
1: <laughs> I love it's funny. If I'm in a pub, I'll only drink bitter. If I'm at home, I'll only drink lager. Yeah. Um, but I like a soul or an asahi. Uh, but if you ask me, you know, it's it's wine and it's red, and I'm all over it like a fat boy on a donut.
0: Yeah. It's the red wine. Love that. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right then. Well, thank you, uh, thank you very much, Dickie, for your for your insights into um into kind of you know another world and your your experience around mental health. I think it's uh I think it's very valuable. I hope the the listeners have uh have enjoyed it as well. Um and yeah we'll we'll, we'll kind of finish up there. If you guys have enjoyed uh, this episode or any of the other ones, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, you can also buy me a beer if you're enjoying it. Um, you can yeah give me give me some beer money. This is thirsty work doing all this talking. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Dickie, for coming on.
1: Sandy, thank you and listen, well done for you. And and genuinely, uh, I think you're doing an amazing thing here and you're a force for good. And if there's anything you need from me to help you or anyone who's suffering, you you just don't even hesitate to ask. You know I'm there, buddy.
0: Great. Cool.
1: All right, then, guys. Thank you very much for listening. See you on the water.